Step six is this. We became entirely ready to have God remove these defects of our character. We became entirely ready to have God remove these defects from our character. Now, remember what step five is. Step five we looked at on Friday. And, and step, step five is that we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We admitted it to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. We told somebody, confidentially, we shared it. We went, after we did this searching inventory and we wrote everything down in step four, right? This, this fearless inventory, we now, we, we now went to somebody and just shared, these are the things that have happened, and, and it was a Christian person that could talk to you and pray, and, 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 and you, could, you could let it out. You could let it out. It's no longer hidden. Satan, we're, we're kicking Satan in the teeth, saying it's not going to be a secret. It's not going to drive us anymore. And then, and then today is we became entirely ready to have God remove these defects of our character. It's getting ready to do that. It's getting ready to, to say, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let it go. I, I'm, I'm, never going to, I'm never going to look back. It's getting ready to do that. And the, and the story that I, I want to look at is, it comes from chapter 4, and it's a historical account of how Jesus goes into a territory that was uh, Samaria that was not a, an area that normally a Jewish person would go through because there was a lot of racism and prejudice that was there, and the people who considered themselves to get it, be unclean by being there, and also that, that they hated the Samaritan people. And this is what it tells us in chapter 4. It says, The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gathering and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. This is John chapter 4. I'm reading from and it says, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Truth is, Jewish people walked around Samaria. They often didn't go through. But he went through for a purpose. And, and, he, and it says in verse 5, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... Ty Jesus, ty tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And when a Samaritan woman, it's about noontime, a, a, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now she's a woman. Women were at the lowest, on the totem pole, the lowest step, the lowest part of it, okay, in that day. And, and he's a Jewish person talking to a Samaritan and she's a woman. And not only that, he's a teacher. He's walking. It looks like a rabbi. And, and so, and she's like, you're looking, you're talking to me. And, and verse 10, it says, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, who it is, that asks you for a drink, Jesus is identifying himself. 
He said, if you knew who the gift of God is, the one that's asking you for a drink, speaking about himself, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. And, And then it says in verse 11, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. So are you greater than the one that literally this well that was was prepared by these people? Are you greater than, than him? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. That physical water from the well, you'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water, I give him, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, now I tell you that, that when, you, when you read this passage of Scripture, I mean, Jesus is really identifying a problem back then and the problem now as well, and that is that there is nothing in life that can satisfy us where we will not be thirsty again or hungry again or be wanting again and he says listen if you would ask him if you would ask me if you would ask the one who's talking to you I'll give you water it's going to well up and and it's going to satisfy you and and you're never ever going to be thirsty again you're never going to be wanting again you're never going to be unsatisfied again within your soul because even though we get satisfied in life with things, we get happy about things. We, we might get a new car. We might get a new bike. We might get a new computer. We, we, we might meet somebody special in our life. And, you know, you end up get falling in love with him. And that's satisfaction there. But we, all, we, we know this, that we get hungry again for more. We get thirsty for more. We never have enough. No matter how much we have, we want more after that. Even though our need might be met, we still want more after that. But he's saying that there is a well you can drink from, the the one who gives the drink where you will never thirst again. And then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water again. She's thinking physical. She's not thinking spiritual, and that's our nature. We're here on this earth. We always think physical. Yeah, I want, give me something that's going to last forever. Yeah, I don't want to ever have to go to this well again. I don't ever want to have to, you know, want anymore or work anymore. And, And so she's thinking the physical. And, 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 and what's going to fill her? And then, and then he told her, go call your husband and come back. Jesus knows everything. He says this so that she can begin to talk about her problem, her situation. And she does talk about it. She says, I have no husband, she replied. I don't have a husband. Doesn't mean she never had a husband. Because in verse 17, it says, it says, as she said, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now, I want you to pay attention to this for a second, because here is a woman that has had in that day, in this day, it would be, wow, that's a little quite a few husbands you mean you've had five husbands wow that's amazing 
But, but, but here in this day, think about it. Five husbands in this day. And so, and so, you, you know, we, we think about this and then, and then, and, and we say, that's a lot. And then we go on and, and what I want you to know is this, that Jesus does not reject her. Jesus does not cut her off. Jesus does not say, you're not good enough and I can't talk to you. Here's a woman that is a Samaritan. Here's a woman that is a, uh, a person that's had five husbands. But he talks to her, and I want you to know that God doesn't reject you either. Do you think Jesus is afraid to come to your house? Do you think Jesus is afraid to come to the well that you're drinking from right now? Because maybe you're not a person that has walked with him, or you're living a life. Or, you can't scare God away. You, you can't be so bad that God doesn't want to come and speak to you. And so, and so here, he's helping her to identify, and, and he's talking to her. And then it goes on. She says in verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet I, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. He's getting to the nitty-gritty. He's getting to her soul. He's getting to the place where this woman, she has been hurt, broken internally. She has struggled. She has battled. But, and she has tried to fulfill the empty spot inside of her. And he's getting to the place where he's saying, listen, it's a spiritual thing. And you're going to worship God. And you're going to drink from a well that is going to impact your spiritual life you and then and then the woman said i know that the messiah called christ is coming when he comes he will explain everything to us and this is where jesus now says after he already told her listen if you knew who you were speaking to you would ask him for a drink and i it would become a well that it that that literally rises up you'll never thirst again and then he says this in verse 26 then jesus declared i who speak to you am he I am the Messiah. I am the one that's coming to explain everything. And it tells us, it tells us at that point that just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Because they would have wanted him to stop talking to her because they were... They, they were raised a totally different way not to go into Samaria. And then leaving her water jar, right, the thing that she came to drink with, get water with, she leaves it. I think it's important to see that. Why does she leave it? Because she realizes that the most important thing is not the water jar and drinking the physical water, but the spiritual water. And the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I have ever did. Knows it all. Could this be the Christ? 
They came out of the town and made their way towards him. So they all want to see. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 39. And it says, And many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Yeah, see, I, the, the key is this, that she was not rejected. She was not put down. She was not driven away because of her sin. But actually, Jesus went there because of her sin. And she needed a Savior. And all of those people in Samaria needed a Savior. And Jesus, he took the person that maybe had the worst reputation, the person that was hated in that town. She was all alone at the well. Women didn't go alone to the well. She was ostracized. She was marginalized. She was pushed out. Who would want to get close to you? You've had this terrible, you've had five husbands. We don't know the story. Maybe a few of them died. We don't know what happened. A few of them left or the few of them went out and, and, and committed bad things and, they, and eventually they they, they remarried maybe and moved off but, but all we know is this that she had five husbands and she was living with a man who was not her husband and Jesus didn't reject her and he was able to dig in and, he, and it says in the scripture she says it twice right? He, he told me everything about me he had known everything that I did and, and, and she was willing to stand there and Take it and, he, and eventually give it to him and so were the townspeople. That's why step six is, is very important. We became entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Totally ready to do it. In other words, it's not just, oh, yeah, let me ask Jesus for forgiveness, and now I'll just move on. Oh, I fell again. Oh, I did the wrong thing again. Oh, so I'm back into the bad habit again. No, you thoughtfully think about it. One of the things I want you to do, and I'll post this later in this post that's going to be out there, but, but one of the questions is, what have each of, one of the questions is this, what are the defects identified in step four and five that are standing in the way of my recovery and service to God? What are they? What are they? What have they done? What, write it down. What have they done for you? So write down the defect on, make two lines down the middle of a piece of paper. And, and on the first column, I want you to write defect, and I want you to write it down. Whatever it is, I don't, whatever it is. And I, and, I, and I want you to write down, let's just say one of them is anger. I get angry. Write it down. I blow my stack. It's real easy for me to blow my stack. And, and, then, and then write down, what's the, then write down in the second column, positive. What's the positive result of that? Just write it down. And what's the negative result of that? In the third column, write it down. 
Write down another one of the, the things that might control your life, okay? Let's just say, let's not even go to the, we know alcohol, right? Or, or some kind of drug, even prescription drug. You can write it down there. This is the, I abuse this. This is what I abuse, okay? And then, and then write down the positive effect from it. And then write down the negative effect from it. What has it done? What good has it done in the positive? What, what, how has it torn your life to pieces in the negative? And just start writing those things down. And then, and then I, I, I'm going to read a couple of things. It says, as you look at this list, take some time to grieve. Feel the pain of the losses of both the positive and the negative parts. Here are some suggestions. Write about what you will miss about your defects and what you look forward to when these are removed. What are you going to miss and what do you look forward to? Write what you have learned about yourself in seeing the positive and the negative parts. And then it says, and we're not going to do this today, okay? We're not going to do this today. We're going to do this tomorrow. But it says, have a burial service. The old has passed away, so burn what you have written or rip up the list of defects. We're going to do that tomorrow. But I want you, I want you to make this list right now, okay? The defects, the negative or the positive in the second column, the third, the negative, the positive things, the negative things in the second column, the that, and the uh, and the uh, negative things in the third column. So the defects, the positive things that the defect did, and the negative things that the defect did. Write them down, and then write about them. What are you going to miss? Grieve over it. What are you going to enjoy? about having it removed. What will you miss about it? What will you enjoy about it? And then tomorrow we're going to have a special little ceremony that we're going to do. Another question that I want you to have is, in what ways have I tried to fill the hunger of my soul and the thirst of my spirit with other substances and behaviors instead of trusting God and following his will? What have I tried to fill myself with that has been a substitute for that hole with inside of me that only God can fill. Am I ready to turn to God for abundant pardon and for continual nourishment of his spirit to keep me free of addictive behaviors? Why or why not? Am I ready to do it? Because you can't, it's not half-hearted. It's not, it's not like, well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just go ahead and do this and no, I'm, I'm ready to do it. I'm sick of it. Many times what I've found in people's lives is that they get sick of it when they, it is, they've lost everything. That's what I found. It breaks my heart. I can talk to somebody from uh, five years ago. I said, this is just going to lead down a road. You're going to lose it all. You're going to lose it all. And I hang on to it. And then eventually, guess what? I'm talking to them, and I then am, five years later, they've lost everything, right? Don't wait. If you haven't lost everything, deal with it now. Third thing is this, do I believe not just in my head that the life God has for me will be more satisfying than the one I have lived under the cloud of addiction? Do I believe that? 
It's going to be better. Is my heart willing? This woman realized, you know what? I'm sick of this life. Here I am all alone. Here I am away from all of the people in this town. Here I am. I have nobody around me. That's what it does. It isolates us, separates us from God. We always get the idea someday, 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 someday never comes. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Tomorrow won't be here. It never gets here. Tomorrow never gets here. Today's the day. And this woman came face to face with Jesus. And she drank from the well. She left her pot at the well where she was going to get water and went to the town. And from there, she went home or back to that town and brought everybody back and said, he knows everything about me. And people believed and realized this is the Savior of the world. Are you ready to turn it over? Write down the defect. Write down the positive thing that it's done for you. Write down the negative thing that it's done. Have a moment of grieving where you say, this is what I'm going to miss about what it did for me. But this is what I'm going to enjoy now, that it's gone. And let the Spirit of God fill you up. Bring the list tomorrow, because we're going to do the ceremony tomorrow. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to us. Lord, that even though you don't walk to the well we're at, where we've been drinking from, and try, and which is physical water trying to fill us up, Lord, you don't walk there physically to us, but Lord, you walk there spiritually like you are now. There are people that you're speaking to right now. There are people that are out there right now, Lord, and they, they need to know, they need to experience, Lord, you in a very real way. And that, that, that hole that they've been trying to fill inside of them, it can only be filled by you. That thirst that is inside of them, that they have somehow medicated themselves with whatever the addiction is, is always there after the moments of trying to fill it up or the day of filling it up with something else and it becomes bigger than what it was before and they're unsatisfied and their lives are wrecked, but God, they're ready to turn it over now. So help each one to take those steps and know that you will meet them no matter how bad it is. Lord, you will go to every house, every person, no matter how much shame they feel, how much guilt, and no matter how much harm they've even done to themselves and to others, you will come and you love them and you're willing to go through Samaria when no one else will, you will go. So help them, Lord God. Be able to get to the place of saying, I'm ready to turn it over to you, Lord. And I'm never taking it back. And God, just as you went into the life of the Samaritan woman, come into our hearts as well. If you need Jesus, just invite him and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I'm yours today. And I will always be yours. Fill me with your spirit. And thank you, Lord, for what you've done. 
in Jesus' name.